This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, everybody. Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio. So glad to have Dan Taylor and Rod Olson back. Uh, They were together on episode 855. We did a great episode on leadership principles. Uh, Dan Taylor, Senior Business Advisor, Transformers Institute. You're going to hear a lot from him during for the remainder part of the year. How you doing, Dan? Good, Carm. Good. Excellent. Thanks for bringing Rod back again. Rod Olson. Hey, Rod. Man, I, I can't believe you brought me back as a repeat offender. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we did. But we checked with your parole officer and uh, they said you can give me an hour. That I can. Rod is known as, as a coach for his ability to help high-performing leaders see things others don't see and find their sweet spot as they lead and motivate others in the 21st century. He is founder of the Coaches of Excellence Institute and the Coach O Consulting Group. Rod is also the author of three highly acclaimed leadership fables, the legacy builder, wisdom lunch warrior, and the greatest motivational tool. After nearly 20 years of uh, as a college football coach, Rod has spent the last decade plus working uh, with elite teams and organizations while teaching, coaching, and mentoring some of the country's top coaches and leaders. No pressure. Rod can be reached at coaches at coachesofexcellence.com. If your car breaks down, where do you take it? To your locally trusted independent repair shop. What if your shop cannot access the vehicle data and only the manufacturer has access? But who owns the data? You, the vehicle owner, or the manufacturer? Well, join the fight to help support Right to Repair by completing the form at autocareadvocacy.org slash NAPA, which sends a letter to your member of Congress today. Right to Repair legislation protects your access to vehicle data and scan tools. This is critically important for the automotive, heavy-duty, paint, and body industries. We're going to talk about speaking greatness into others. And if there's anything that I know in this particular industry, Dan, and I know you could probably confirm that, we're probably not lifting or recognizing the spirits and the work, the contributions of our team into our company, because we're always talking about building a more professional organization. And so much of it takes on leadership's greatness. And and I think you're going to get some incredible tips of this, creating a culture of recognition. Let's do this thing. In a lot of my workshops, I talk about affirming people, affirming people in a, and I learned this from Rod from years ago, so I'm going to give him credit, in a sincere and specific way. So there's a big difference between saying, hey, nice job today versus excellent job of wrapping up Mrs. Smith's car. She really needed it today, and she was so, so grateful. So thanks for putting in the extra efforts to get that done today. She was elated when she left, and and thanks, Charlie, or whatever, right? So that's being sincere and specific. People can smell it, right? I also taught, I don't know how they let me teach elementary age kids, but they did for four years. Kids can smell it, and adults can smell it when it's not accurate. So one of the slide decks, or, or a piece of the information I sent you, Carm, was off a recent survey a recent study that showed 37% of people would just feel better about work and would perform better if they were just recognized. And and I'll give you an example of that just now. And then I will throw in the inspire me. I'm not sure exactly how they categorize that inspire me, but we can get into what motivates people, giving them a little lift. And I'll let, I'll let Rod run with the ball of uh, uh, speaking greatness in other people, but that is, I'm rounding up. That's 49%. So basically half of our team will do a better job in their work-related activities all day long if we'll just recognize them. 
That's all they want. Tell me I'm doing a good job with X, Y, Z and be sincere and specific about it. I want to repeat and emphasize that because the, my own ear, when somebody says, hey, you're doing a great job, it goes in one side and right back out the other. But if they're sincere and specific about what they are thankful for or what they are recognizing me for, then I perk up. I'm like, wow, man, that's and it's an energizer, right? Man, we can talk about sincerity for two hours, I guess. You know, if, <laughs> if you're going to recognize me, Dan, Rod, and say, hey, Carm, great job, but you're doing it while you're reading the paper or looking somewhere else. Okay, my intuition says he wasn't genuine. One of the things we've discovered, and we all know in the 21st century, is we are expert crap detectors. And we can spot a fake from a mile away now. We have no issues with calling people out. And if we don't want to call them out, we'll just check out. We'll just basically kick that person to the curb or their opinion, their voice, whatever it is. And yeah, we can we can see authentic inauthenticity very quickly nowadays. So the, the biggest reason too for the specificity is and that's a whole nother that's more of a of a technical and tactical coaching question because specificity leads to clarity and high clarity equals high performance. So and low clarity is low performance. So from a coaching, just a technical coaching standpoint sport coaching and teaching, specificity is the key. You got to be absolutely surgical when you're talking to people. Generalities promote insincerity. So the more specific as Dan said, you can be the better. And then the other piece that I talk a lot about is the example part that Dan's talking about, a kind of a six-step process I use when I teach speaking greatness. But one of the steps in that process is you got to give the people an example or state the evidence of what you've seen. If you can't give an example or state the evidence, then you're blowing smoke and, and you're making shit, uh, making stuff up. Sorry, I've been around the seal too much. I'm cussing a little bit right now. So, you know, I don't mean at the zoo. I'm really, specificity and the examples, the evidence is so crucial to the coach and to the teacher and to the leader is really is the separator when it comes to really inspiring people and helping them get to the next level. I think that's so critical. If you're listening and you've ever said to somebody, hey, nice job. And that person casually just continues on. I would be thinking, what part of what I did today or in the last hour or two did he think or she think was nice? <laughs> that was a nice job. I love this specificity. You know, the generalities uh, lead to ambiguity, right? And we know this from research and studies. There's a lot of not such good stuff that goes around in everybody's head, mine included. And when we think about the filters that we already have, the screening that we already have, lunch later today with one of my guys from my own shop. And we're going to talk a lot about this because mm. I learned through some assessments that pretty much anything that is said to him, he runs it through a very condescending negative filter. And it was amazing. I, I stopped and looked him in the eyes this weekend. I had a race this weekend and we did podium. And I said, I need you to listen to me. The stuff that's going on in your head is all soft stuff, right? It's all soft wiring. It's programming. We, we are going to help you reprogram some of this stuff that's going through your head. And when I say specifically, thank you for doing this, this, and this, I truly do mean that. I'm not just, it's not platitudes, it's not niceties, but in his head, I already know, well, I'm on the clock, so I'm just doing my job. No, you're doing something that goes above and beyond what is being asked for you to do. And I want to recognize you and tell you how much I appreciate that. So a little bit of a sidetrack, but we, we got stuff with folks with a lot of bad stuff in their head 
head and they're only used to hearing certain things in certain packages. And so when you first introduce this affirmation, speaking greatness into people, recognizing things, there's going to be some questions on whether you're being sincere or not because of some of the negative things that are already, the filters that are already going on. Hey, Rod, I got a question for you. As you were, have been a football coach and a coach to so many professionals, when you recognize a sports individual, a sports player, let's call it a, a footballer, is it a motivator for them? to be recognized? Yeah, I think, you know, the whole five love language deal for your marriage, and I think Dan talks a lot about this too, you got to figure out what their love language is. There's no question, whether it's words of affirmation, whether it's touch, a fist bump, whatever. And I'll tell you what we discovered as coaches is I got to use all five, all six constantly. I've got to use a, a combination of both because you got to remember now as humans, there are six human needs we all have. And one of them is variety. And so if you do the same thing over and over and over again, your feedback styles are constantly the same. I'm going to get bored and I'm going to tune you out. Uh, the other thing we like, though, is predictability and stability. So now you're telling me you want stability, you want predictability, but at the same time, you want variance. And the answer is yes. <laughs> so as a coach now, I have to be all things to all people so that I might reach some. That's the name of the game. And so I have to really get to know, you know, the first step for me in this whole speaking greatness thing is you have to be a noticer, which means you have to see things other people don't normally see. By the way, this whole speaking greatness term, Carm, you might be interested in this. The genesis of it came from, I was coaching at Oklahoma State University and the F word was a noun verb and adjective. We used it for everything. And I don't mean the word fun, all right? And we were just dropping F-bombs constantly for everything. And everything kind of changed for me. And I realized I was doing that when I was at a dinner party with my wife in Oklahoma. And we're talking to all her friends. And then somebody goes, hey, do you know Carm over there? You know, that guy, that podcast guy, do you know Carm? Like, oh, yeah. And the whole room went, whoa. And all their hair blew back. And I went, oh, my gosh, I'm not at work. I can't be dropping the F-bomb like that. And then I went from Oklahoma State to Appalachian State University. And Jerry Moore's the head coach who, you know, won multiple national titles, everything else. And so he would not allow us to cuss on the practice field or on the headset during games. So I had to retool my entire vocabulary quickly. And next thing you know, I'm trying to use not so bad swear words. And then I try and go to replacement words like frickin' and frackin'. And I found out when my six-year-old said frickin' all the time, it was on me. And it still means the same thing. And so I had a mentor, though, that challenged me. He said, Rod, if you have to use sarcasm, motivate by fear, cuss people out, or be demeaning or shaming, you're not a very good coach. And I was like... Well, that's like 90% of my style right now. So I'm like, hit them all. And I go, I've got to make an adjustment here. So I started looking into and watching great teachers and great coaches. And I'm a faith guy too. And there's a great proverb out there that says, speak life, not death into people. And life and death so lies in the power of the tongue. So I wanted to figure out a way to authentically coach my guys because a great coach and a great leader critiques the correct. So I'm not going to let that go. Plus I motivate, right? And I challenge, but I also encourage. And so how do I do all that? Well, it all starts with a mindset of I'm going to speak life, not death, but more importantly, I'm going to be easy to please and hard to satisfy. I'm going to be someone that my job is to take you to another level. So in order to do that, I need to speak life. I still can critique you, but I got to do it in such a way that you'll receive it. You'll swallow it. You'll know I care about you. But at the same time, I'm going to challenge you and you need to make a correction. And so my wife says this, we started doing this with our children. And by the way, I'll share a few 
different techniques and tactics here in a minute, but in regard to our language that we use and words that we can use that actually empowers people to go to another level. But my wife says, you know, once you start speaking greatness into your kids, you'll never go back to what you used to do because you can hear yourself. You can feel yourself feel sarcastic and, and just demeaning and all that stuff is just, it doesn't help you and it doesn't help them. I am so moved by that because I can only think of the professionalism in our industry that we are all working so hard to overcome, changing some of our language, the way we look, the presentation of our facility. No doubt, if we are going to be more professional, we have to consider the language that we use inside of our shops and how many customers would overhear some of that. The worlds I live in right now, and I come from football coaching, where everybody's cussing all the time, to now I work with the, the Navy SEALs for the last 10 years. And so I've talked to their leaders about their language too. And the other thing that Dan brought up that's uber important here, if you're, for example, if you're using the F word to describe everything, again, that's ambiguous. And I had a mentor challenge me after he told me the five things I was already doing really badly. <laughs> so he challenged me though and said, Rod, do you understand that if you use the F word for everything, that actually shows that you have a limited vocabulary and you're an immature leader? And I went, whoa, wait a minute. He goes, no, it just means you have a limited vocabulary. You need to expand your vocabulary. If that's the only word you use for everything, you know, you're immature and you need to grow. You need to, to be better than that. And I was like, Phew, that one got me. And not only is my faith important, but for me, that one got me. I'm like, yeah, I need to raise my level as a human and as a leader in my intellect. And by the way, better words higher clarity, right? And higher clarity, higher performance. So, and I get paid, you know, to help people perform better. So that's, that's one of the big reasons we, we decided to start speaking. And by the way, then you do it at home and now all of a sudden your kids are performing better. I mean, good Lord. I am sure in the professionalism that you have in your surroundings by cleaning up your language, or at least not using it, like you said, every other word has an impact, the professionalism of a business. Can you imagine sitting down with somebody and doing a High five, job recognition, well done, speaking greatness into people, using the F word, like you say, every second or third. I wouldn't react to the positivity of that moment at all. Yeah, it just gets diluted down completely, doesn't it? And I think, Carm, I'll be bold here. The machismo factor of dropping bombs and having a vocabulary of a sailor is not professional. Now, that being said, and I'll let Rod elaborate on this too, because he and I have talked about this. I will use passion strategically when I'm fired up, but there's already a lot that has been deposited in relationships. So people know that intensity and I have an intense focused personality, it's just who I am. When I go to that and I'm dropping a bomb, you better pay attention because we are getting serious. Something is, is awry. I'm not doing it maliciously to beat people up. I'm just doing it like, guys, listen, this is important. Other than that, I, I don't know, maybe Rod's got some other examples where that kind of vocabulary is maybe acceptable uh, in a snippet. But other than that, I, I do my very best to, to eliminate that vocabulary out of my uh, language as well. A long, breathy snippet. <laughs> so here's something that's interesting, Carm. Remember this, because Dan makes a great point. The premise of all this is we're trying to get people to another level. And we're also trying to create a culture that's psychologically safe. So everyone feels that they can say things, ask questions, which is going to help your business be more creative and it's going to grow and it's going to be innovative and adaptable. And you're going to be able to pivot because people are bringing you ideas. The best ideas always come from the employees. And if you don't have a psychologically safe atmosphere, well, that's like a, the other piece about this is our other job is to destroy complacency without destroying confidence. That's 
paramount as a parent. It's paramount as a leader and a coach. And it's across the board that I got to destroy complacency. I mean, assassinate complacency. Complacency will ruin your business and your standards of excellence. But I got to do that without destroying their confidence. Any idiot can do both. That's easy. I'm just going to destroy you verbally, knock you down in nothing. But it takes an art and a science of understanding. And, and you know, hey, there'll be times I'll drop an F-bomb, but I won't do it on the angry side. And I'll do it if, if that guy or that gal, if that's something that's part of their DNA, I'll be like, effing yeah, that's what we're looking for, man. That's fantastic. And it's private and we're not in a public setting or, you know what I mean? I'm not going to, but I think the other piece is there's an entire research going on in labs everywhere about linguistic programming in the psychological world and, and how certain words can empower people to get to another level. And, and I just happen to believe a lot, a good portion of that it really is factual for me and works well. And here's a great example. And Carm, here's, here's one you can use right away. When you're critiquing someone or when you're getting ready to coach them or, or correct them, it's very important that we, we don't use disqualifiers. And, and what we mean by that is there are certain words that when we say them, they disqualify all the things we said just prior to it. So for instance, Carm, if I was coaching you in, in, in football and I said, hey, you're doing a great job with your feet, Carm, but your hands suck. Well, as soon as I said the word but, all those things I said about your feet you just tuned out and all you heard was your hands suck. So all we ask people to do and coaches to do and leaders do is here's a great little example. We have tons of words like this in the English language. Just replace the word but or however with the word now. Hey, great job with your feet. Now let's add your hands, Carm. And remember, a coach's job and a leader's job is to help take an individual or a team to a level they can't get to by themselves. So I'm trying to level you up. Hey, great job with your feet. Now let's add your hands. I'm supposedly the expert. You're the expert. Hey, Take me to another level. And I just told you, your feet are good. Now let's go here. And that's that whole easy to please, but hard to satisfy. Another great one is don't say don't. So we have days with coaches where we will tell them, you can't say the word don't today. Just can't do it. And what's interesting is our brains cannot comprehend the word don't. So if I say don't touch the stove, the first thing you see is a hand touching the stove. And I just gave you a negative rep at doing it wrong. So why would I do that? So one of the things that we tell coaches is, and leaders, just go through your day without saying the word don't. And it's and parenting too. It's crazy how quickly your mind will shift to, okay, if I can't say don't, how do I get this done? done? How do I teach? How do I talk? And immediately we go into a, an avenue or a lane of, okay, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what you're doing. Here's what, now think about doing this. And, that, and it's more empowering. It's more of a teacher. It's more of a guide on the side and you're partnering and helping them then and coaching them. But things like that are great little tools and techniques. And like I said, your words matter. They matter a ton. I mean, and tone of voice is, is so big too, you know, hey, Carm, come here, come here. It's like the same words. It's just completely different. And having that self-awareness is, is massive. Nap is proud to have America's largest network of parts and care with nearly 6,000 auto parts stores and over 18,000 auto care centers. In that spirit, the Nap Auto Parts and Auto Care logos have a new look, carefully designed to be visually alike. This will further cement Napa as the place to go for consumers when in need of vehicle maintenance. Now, did you know Napa Auto Care was top rated in a national survey by consumers of car repair in the chains and independent repair shops category? These ratings were based on courtesy, timeliness, quality, price of repair, and percent of times the problem was fixed on the first visit to the repair facility. Napa Auto Care is the only banner program to make these ratings. Consumers are familiar with the Napa Auto Care brand, and you can benefit from their continued success. 
your independent repair facility can join this network and be supported through Napa's national marketing by promoting your local repair facility with targeted media in local markets and in proven channels, allowing you to compete with a national presence by co-branding your locally known brand with the nationally recognized Napa brand using the Pro Image Auto Care program. Also, partnering with Napa Smart Sign, now it educates your clients with engaging videos that tell the why behind a needed repair or service. You also get access to editable digital menu boards, template builder tools, social media feeds, and integrations with other auto care program elements. Napa also offers a credit solution to customers with Napa Easy Pay consumer financing with your business name embossed on the credit card. Napa also gives you an online presence when the consumers search for a local repair facility on Napa Online using the Auto Care Locator tool, which generates millions of views per month at no additional cost. From parts to care, from coast to coast, we are one Napa. Now, if you're interested in partnering with Napa Auto Care and capitalizing on the latest national marketing campaign, contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store or sales rep. I'm sitting here stunned by these cherries that have dropped from the knowledge tree here, Rod, but however replaced with now, I mean, to me, there's the no-brainer leadership thought of the day. You talk about wanting to turn around your team or your company. I mean, just, okay, let's hang up. You got your money's worth. Thank you very much for being here, everyone. No, really, there's more to come, (laughs) more to come. We want to have people, Rod, feel great about the place that they work for through, if you will, uh, talking greatness to them and recognizing them. Give us some advice on that. Don't forget now. Don't say don't, right? (laughs) Don't forget you got to critique if you're a great leader. You've got to correct people. There's a standard. We can't waffle on the standard. We can't just dilute the standard and, oh, everybody's wonderful, and Carm, you're doing a great job, and we love you, and everybody loves everybody, and that's a bunch of crap, man. Great coaches, great parents, great leaders, we're going to correct. We're going to critique. And as my wife says, it's not what we say, it's how we say it. Okay, so I mean, at the end of the day, nothing new under the sun, but... We get to a place where we have igniters, we call them, or derailers, that there are things that trigger us. And this might be helpful. And then, Dan, I'd love you to piggyback. We teach, one of the great things with the SEAL leaders is we teach the special operators, hey, when before you go in your house, make sure you understand what DEFCON level you're at, meaning... What anger level or frustration level are you at? Know what that is. If if there's five levels and you're at four, do not walk in that house. Just breathe, gather your thoughts, reframe what you're doing, and get yourself down to a DEFCON two or a three because you can't let your kids spilling milk on the kitchen floor blow you up. You just can't. Great leaders have got to have better self-awareness and situational awareness than that. So one of the things we really spend a lot of time on too is know your DEFCON levels before you critique or give people feedback. As a leader, coach, owner, one of the ways you can do that pretty quickly to get a vibe, let's say you've got your stuff under control and you're at a a lower, more moderate level and you're not, irritants aren't going to get to you like they might if you have heightened the challenge going on, is to ask them how they're doing. Before a lot of my leadership meetings, I will ask people to score themselves one to six, (laughs) a lot of times, or one to 10. I like the one to six model that Rod teaches because then there's not middle land. You can't say five. So either three or four, you're floating on one side or the 
the other. But I ask them, how are you doing personally? One to six. How are you doing work-wise? Like, how's work going? How's your team doing? And we get an immediate pulse. It also gives us an idea of where we go in, in two days worth of meetings. Am I recharging people? Or are they getting recharged by being with us? So I think you can ask the same questions yourself. You know, where am I at? One to six on X, Y, or Z and, and get an immediate calibration of what's going on. I would love to, frankly, Dan, are you doing this kind of coaching with COOs or CEOs in the aftermarket? I work with all the integrators, the guys that get everything done. So I do with both. I know Greg uh, recently rolled out a more what I would call life coach questioning. It was interesting to watch our Platinum One group answer those questions one to 10. And they had questions about your your physical health, how you're doing with relationships, close relationships. It was probably 20 or 30 questions. And I was pretty wowed to the fact that guys were pretty honest with themselves. And they realized, wow, I've got some work to do in this category. I'm out of balance. And we could talk another whole dialogue on, quote unquote, the balance of life. And the fact that it really is never really balanced. But they were working on that. And then I work on those with my groups all the time. We talk about psycholinguistics, which is the technical term Rod used. The words that are used, that we use and other people use to us have an immense power, an immense power on how our day goes, how we react to things. It's really critical that we can focus on this. This is all soft skills, right? So most of the sessions I've had with you, some of them are number oriented, but a lot of them are soft skills. What I get excited about is if we can identify that this is a challenge or something I have a deficiency on, I don't like using the word weakness. We all have deficiencies. And if we can lean into these things, especially these soft wiring, soft skill things, we can get better at them and we can make improvements. We can ask other people to speak into our journey and help us refine those things. Even on our, I learned this from Rod, Years ago, right? You get lit up, you get fired up, you got to have somebody on your team to pull your shirt, say a code word or something to, to bring you back down because many of us are passionate about what we do. And sometimes it's a little bit of a runaway train with our thoughts and our emotions. And we have to have somebody help regroup us and bring us back. I got to go back, Rod. You said leaders must critique. I get that. I understand that. But if we're trying to recognize an individual, say privately or publicly, we cannot be in a critique mode. We cannot be in the butt mode. So are we trying to also encourage our peers to recognize each other, which helps the leader keep in that building and critiquing moving ahead mode? I just want some clarity to that. Really good question, because here's the rub. You need to critique people and you need to encourage them and you need to challenge them. So that's the rub, right? We need to do things right and encourage people. All right. So you're telling me I can't critique, Rod? No, of course not. You need to critique. But it's not what you say. It is what you say. But it's even more importantly how you say it and how you do it. We always talk about the art and the science of it. The science is go freaking confront it and critique them. Yeah, but the art is... You got to do it different for every person and you got to understand how to read. So here's a starting point for you in this whole critiquing thing. And Carm, we do this all the time. See where your default setting is. If I asked you, and please answer this when I ask, are you more of a challenging person as a leader? Like meaning you like to challenge people or are you more of an encourager? We're, by the way, we're all both, but what do you kind of default or lean towards, Carm? Encourager. Yeah, so what I would tell you is you're soft and you need to get better. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, what I would tell you is, hey, recognize, just recognize your default setting is to be an encourager. And we don't need to move the needle all the way to the other side of a challenger. 
but just move the needle a little bit so you're in the middle. And we say, and I'm a, more of a challenging guy. So it's so it's like, hey, I just need to remember, Rod, don't forget. You got to bring that encouragement in there, Rod. Don't forget. Bring that needle to the middle. So that's kind of the starting point. Another great thing here is criticize in private, praise in public. You know, we've all heard that. And it's a good model. It's a good model. Unless it's a teachable moment for everyone. And this is parenting now. You know, I got three kids and it seems like at some point they all make the same mistake over and over and over, whether it's a lie, whether it's they hit their brother or sister or they knock something, whatever it is. At certain points, my wife and I, if, we're, if I'm going to say we're a, say you two are my kids and Carm screwed something up and, and Dan's younger, well, this is a teachable moment now. I'm going to talk to Carm, but I'm going to have Dan sitting there because I want him to hear this. You know, there's a great scripture about do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but what is only what is beneficial for helping others. So if you're going to critique someone, and critique is a strong word, if you're going to coach someone, it's great to have the other people listening because that means I don't have to teach it twice. And we also had a saying as coaches in this kind of a context, I should never have to tell a good player twice. And that became part of our culture. Hey, I should never have to tell a good employee twice. So if you heard me told Dan, this is the second time I'm telling you, Carm. But so there are times I think, but yeah. Praise in public, criticize in private. One last thing to think about in your whole mindset here when you're doing this stuff is what do people feel like when they leave my presence? Huge concept now. As a leader, as a critiquer, as a coach, as an encourager, as a challenger, what do people feel like when they leave my presence? Hey, if I'm hard on you and we have a great relationship and I'm tough on you and you needed it, as long as you leave there going, you know what? That was that was hard truth, but I needed that. And you know what? I appreciate the way that only works, though, if you have a great relationship with that person. Like Dan talks about deposits in the bank. If you don't have those, now they're going to resent you and you got a problem. But yeah, critiquing people without them resenting you or at least having them coming around a little bit later and saying, you know what, Carm? I didn't really like what you told me, but now I've I've kind of stepped back and I understand. And I really appreciate you telling me that. That's what we're looking for. But if people leave your presence pissed off and discouraged, that's not good at all. One of the things I was going to say about speaking greatness into people is sometimes I think, especially as you've gone through decades of your life and you're more of a sage in life than you are in the grind, the wisdom of looking at someone in a different chapter in their life and projecting out what they're absolutely capable of I think is an awesome way of speaking greatness into people. I do it all the time. I love hanging out with winners. I love projecting all the great prosperity in their life, both personally and professionally, the holistic approach to their life. And I know it's in them, right? And that's part of a coach's job is that you see these great things happening in front of people. So one of the things that's been so exciting to watch internally within our networking organization is all the organizations grow and add people and people step up. Guy last night called me up and say, hey, he's going to, the owner's going to post his job for like a district manager over four shops and he wants eight in the next four years. What's your insight on? Was able to have it because we have a good relationship. We talked for probably 20 minutes about the pros and cons of that. At the end of the day, the guy's got to decide what he does, if he wants to pursue it or not. I absolutely believe if he applies himself, he can do it. It's going to be up to him whether he wants it or not. So I wanted to make sure we made that point during our time together. You that yeah, this is super important now. If you ask me, hey, Rod, this whole speaking greatest term, you know, that's in your books. It's a way of life for you. It's trademarked, all that kind of crap. Why? What is it? I could tell you it's exactly what Dan said, and we even simplified or distilled down even more. When you're speaking greatness, not only are you coaching that person, but you're actually giving them a vision for their future. And you're not lying to them. 
You know, you're not telling your kid that's overweight and slow that he's the fastest kid in the city because later on he's going to get cut and he's going to come home and you're going to say, why'd you get cut from the track team? He said, well, I'm not very fast. And he's kind of mad now. He goes, yeah, because I don't know why I got cut because you guys told me I'm the fastest kid in the county. And then they look at him and go, we are to me. You know, it's like, come on, bro. We can't do that to people. Speaking greatness means, hey, Carm, you know, I do a lot of these podcasts and the way you treat me, especially if I can't get my headset to work or my mic to work, the grace you show me, the patience and the questions you ask me and how you draw stuff out of people. You're one of the best guys. And you know what? Your ability to do this and the sound of your voice, man, I believe in the future, especially you remind me of those guys at those late night DJs, the nice calming voice all night, man. And I'm like, that dude, I could listen to him all day long, man. And see, like, look at you right now. Like, you know, I'm not blowing smoke either because you know, those are the certain gifts that you have. But my job, as Dan said, as a coach, as a leader is I got to get that greatness, pull it out of you and show it to you and go, here it is, bro. This is you. And, and this is who this could be if you want to be. Now, in order to do that, you got to make some changes. You got to make some corrections. And now I've given you a compelling reason to change also, which is also a hallmark of a master teacher. I got to give you a compelling reason to change before you're going to listen to any of this stuff. Thank you. My head's a little too big for my studio right now. I appreciate that. Guys, thank you for the last 10 minutes. I'm motivated, but I got to go back to the discussion, Rod, that you had where you're two of my sons, Dan and Carm, and you did something wrong, but I wanted Dan to hear you. So I sat down and talked to you. I was motivated and moved by that because we're talking a lot lately about the words common sense. And people have come on the show and say, Carm, it's really common knowledge. We're just, you know, the individual who lacks common sense was never taught this and so my point was, is if Dan was listening to Carm being talked to by Father Rod, the beauty of having him there is that you were teaching him something along the way that either he will prevent from happening or use in the future. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So just so we're clear, this is how we taught people thousands of years ago. This is how we all learn is like, yeah, dude, I saw what happened to him. Wisdom is learning from other people's mistakes, not just your own. But I will say this, there's an appropriate time to do that. And then there's an inappropriate time. But what I love doing too is, again, this is crucial in regard to speaking greatness too, is I'm constantly, if I'm a world-class teacher, leader, coach, parent, I'm constantly looking for teachable moments. That's my mindset. When I was a head coach, man, I constantly, I was taught, look for teachable moments, whether it's with a coach, whether it's one of my players, and then whether it's appropriate or not, got to have great timing and a good presentation, right? You have to have both. If, if you have great timing and a bad presentation, nobody will listen. And if you have a great presentation, but it's bad timing, as we all know with our wives, they'll never listen either. So, I mean, you got to have some feel and touch to it. But you know what? You can teach feel. You can teach him to be a noticer. Dan does a great, great job of breaking down technical techniques that and tactics that leaders can use to increase not just their emotional intelligence, but just common sense, dude. I love this other word that goes, it's almost the, the antonym of common sense is nonsense. We live in a world today of a bunch of nonsense. I mean, I want you to make sure you put a star in front of my name in front of it. That's a bunch of freaking nonsense, all right? We're not in kindergarten. We're in a shop, all right? And we're 30 years old. And you know what? It's time to freaking treat me like a man. You'll act like a man. Treat me like a grown woman. You'll act like a woman. I treat you like a little girl, a little boy. You're going to act like one. 
So there has to be a level of responsibility and we got to keep taking people to another level. And I love saying this too. The beauty of speaking greatness is not changing people. Great leaders don't change people. They help them grow. And that's what Dan's doing all the time with all these groups he's leading. So what I'm trying to do is just, dude, I don't need to, do we need to change? I'm freaking 57. Good luck changing me. But I would love to grow and add more tools to my toolbox and increase my drill down on the current abilities I have and enhance those. And, and I think Dan can speak more to that of, hey, he's, he's worked with some people who've been doing this a long time now. How do you take them to another level in regard to their feedback, critiquing, and speaking greatness? I've seen Dan in action. I was lucky enough to be at a meeting in Buffalo when Dan was in and he had about himself a dozen of the COOs in his groups. And I watched him facilitate didn't say a whole hell of a lot, but what I learned from you by just watching, and I kind of knew it, so I was not only critiquing but absorbing what you were doing, is that there was always a message inside your words of support, Dan, if someone was willing to latch on to them. I'm humbled and I, I, I appreciate the kind of words, guys. You know, a lot of it is just, I love these guys and gals. I want them to have just amazing lives. And this whole general topic of speaking greatness is if you can look at another human being and go, you know what, man, what, what does life have in store for you? What will the universe, if you're a faith person, which I am as well, if you apply yourself and let other people help polish you and speak truth into you and encourage you and challenge you and do all those things, man, the sky is the limit for all of us. And we've talked about this on other things. We all deserve the very best. I believe that about people. I want the very best for them. And my role right now is to encourage and push and channel them, hopefully for better things, first and foremost for their family and themselves and then their organizations. If we do one or the other, both will prosper. Both will do well. So thank you for the kind words. I'm in my sweet spot in life. It took me 60 years to get here, but I absolutely love what I do. And, and even these podcasts are just a great encouragement to sometimes I'm able to share some of the content with the leadership groups and reinforce stuff, constantly reinforce it, constantly work on the things that are going to make differences in, in their organizations and in their, in their own lives. Well, we are a receiver of your wisdom. And uh, I, I should tell you some behind the scenes thing, Rod, about every week and a half, Dan sends me an email. He's, Here's a new presentation. This will be a great podcast. I'm working on something. I was inspired. I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think? And and so we have like only five of these in the can are ready to go. Or And so I am glad Dan, that I am a funnel or a conduit to your inspiration as a leader and you wanting to get these stories told or these messages out. So thank you for this. Hey, I'm tired of sucking up to Dan now. Dan's good. We can move on. We did we him. Spoke greatness. I even did you now. No. <laughs> hey, two thoughts though. Just really, this is awesome. Two thoughts that are really paramount when we teach this. Two effects of speaking greatness that are massive and are great reasons to start speaking greatness. Obviously, we've got the first one we've been talking about, about taking people to another level. That's great. But there's two more that are just absolute great reasons to do it. Number one, it will change your entire culture. So even at home, when you start, it'll actually mature your entire culture. Because what will happen is people will imitate how the leader, remember, model the behavior you want to instill in others. So people will start to emulate and copy 
and imitate how you critique people and how you speak greatness into them. It just becomes rapid. We see it with little kids all the time. You do it with your kids, and next thing you know, they're repeating the same language, the same format. They're doing all that. The second, so it'll change, mature your culture very quickly. The other thing, and, and by the way, the reason it'll do that too is if someone says something not a great way, I'll pull them back in my office and I'll go, hey, I love how you attack that situation. Absolutely loved it. By the way, I believe a three to one ratio when you're talking, speaking greatness, I'm going to tell them three things they're doing specifically well before I give them my one critique to help them help with everything. And I'll tell them, hey, great job attacking that situation. Second thing I loved is how you started off with a specific example of what they did well. And I love that because now it's a constant teaching environment. And the last thing is, my wife said this, and I didn't really realize it. And a guy that is in one of my books told me this. He said, you know what, Rod? I didn't realize the residual effect of speaking greatness. And I said, what does that mean? He said, for me. He said, I can't tell you how much better I feel as a leader when I'm critiquing well and I'm speaking life into people. He goes, my value, my inner joy, my relevance... I feel better, Rod, when I speak greatness. You didn't tell me that would happen. And I went, dude, you're right. You are right, bro. You're right. That's a powerful, powerful statement. How much better you can feel because you're, you're paying it forward. And I'm not sure that's the right word, paying it forward, but you're trying to develop people to be better leaders on their very own by ultimately mimicking you. And if you start seeing the reflection of that individual, you start seeing them grow, and there's nothing like putting your head on the pillow at night and feeling, man, what a solid day. Oof. And remember, we're all great leaders, great parents, all of us, we're all, we should be trying to work ourselves out a job. The employees of today are the shop leaders, owners, and CEOs of tomorrow. Just like the players of today are the coaches of tomorrow. So we should be building our legacy into them and teach them. I mean, I'll tell you the nonsense about leaders not mentoring their people now, like, it's like, people, like people should just figure it out on their own. That's a bunch of nonsense. We all have got to have, as Dan said, people polishing us, mentoring us, man, and, and taking us to another level. These podcasts are great. I mean, every day, though, I get to follow you around and watch how you lead and watch how you, you know, that's parenting, right? You can tell the kids, you know, the reason we love recruiting coaches, kids, and also you love hiring kids who grow up in a shop is because they know how to act and they're usually early and punctual, but the, and they know there's consequences to their actions, and, but they know how to act if they had a good role model. And that's huge in this whole deal. So how do we make it easy, guys, for managers, leaders to celebrate the success of their employees? What do we do? Like a lot of things, if you're aware of it and you practice it, you get better at it. I fall in the same side as Rod. I'm a natural critique, a natural judgment guy. Uh, Myers-Briggs test, I think I scored like a 98 judgmental. I can judge with the best of them. But if I come from that place, everything gets ruined beyond that. So how do you become an encourager, Dan? How do you balance it? What do you do? One, on my own silitations or whatever they're called, right? On my emails, you see I, every message I end with make it a great day because I'm responsible for either pooping somebody's punch bowl, including my own at times. It reminds me every single time when I communicate with somebody, how are my words coming out? How is my presentation? Am I speaking greatness into them or not? Am I blasting them without any getting them back out of it? So I, I remind myself of it all the time. And I guess part of it's just polishing myself. I mean, I force myself. Rod and I talk often. I have other guys in my life that talk to me. My wife certainly critiques me and will say, hey, sweetheart, where's that coming from? 
from. So it's part of it's a mindset. I think Rod mentioned that earlier. It's a mindset. I want to inspire people in a good way, not blow them up. And I'm good at blowing people up. I'm I'm phenomenal at that. So I don't want to be that guy because people don't like following that guy, especially not long term. Short term, it works, but long term, it does not. Because of how you are, is it really difficult to uh, steep praise on someone? Yes. Rod, give us some advice on how we could do it better. First of all, self-awareness is everything. If you know you're a critiquer and a challenger, just know that. Oh, and again, you don't need to throw the baby out of the bathwater. It doesn't mean you're only an encourager only. It's not a but, it's an and, right? I think at the end of the day, people won't change until there's enough discontent or pain that they have to. That is a fact. So if I'm blowing people up, and in fact, my third book is all about the fable is the guy has made his company tons and tons of money, made the board tons and tons of money, but the board pulls him in and he thinks he's getting a contract extension. They pull him in and they say, you got 90 days to change your behavior and the way you treat people. He goes, wait a minute, I made you millions of dollars. And they go, doesn't matter. Our current talent wants to leave because they hate you. And the word on the street is, don't go work at that company because it's a bad culture. He's a slave driver. And now that guy's willing to make a change because they're going to fire him. But so to me, that's the first place is you've got to decide I'm not going to be the simple beat everybody. I'm going to be the hammer all day long and everybody else is a nail. You got to make that decision. But as far as being an encourager, I will tell you this, the whole think piece we've heard for years, the acronym think, ask yourself before you say something, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it, can I say it in an inspiring way? Is it necessary? And can I say it in a kind way? The, the T-H-I-N-K, just think before you speak. And another one is great is the third thought rule. Have we talked about that, Carm? I know we're running out of time, but have we ever talked about the third thought rule? No. Oh, dude, this is money. But wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to stop and tell all of uh, our listeners to please swipe your uh, credit card and give us all $10 for this great wisdom coming at you right now. As a matter of fact, I'll give it for free. This one's free on me, okay? No. So a good friend of mine named Gary Denham, he's a retired Navy SEAL. Gary is wonderful. He's a master teacher, one of my best friends. Gary has no filter, none. Like, it's just going to come out, man. No filter. Remember the old commercials, count to 10 before you grab the baby so you don't shake the baby, all that stuff? Well, think before you speak. All that stuff is good. But some guys, that just doesn't work, all right? And Gary's wife had enough. So they're at, and his wife's a divorce lawyer, so this is perfect. They're at a dinner party, and he says something stupid and inappropriate in her, amongst her friends. So she grabs him, pulls him over the corner, and she goes, that is it. I am sick and tired of you just blurting out stuff. And these are my friends, my colleagues. You need to be more mature than that. And he's like, okay, sorry. She goes, no, sorry's not good enough. I'm invoking the third thought rule. And he goes, third thought rule, what's that? She goes, you can't say anything until you think about it three times before you say it. And then if it's still relevant and still appropriate, you can say it. Otherwise, shut up. And she goes, you got it, Gary? And he goes, I think so. She goes, I hope so. So they go back to dinner and he tells a story. And I go, so what happened, Gary? What was it like? He goes, oh, it was unbelievable. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, oh, I didn't say anything the rest of the night. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I said, well, what happened? And he said, well, by the time I thought about it three times, usually the moment passed. And I love that saying for leaders, hey, this too shall pass. You can't let stuff go that's, that's cancer your culture, but everything else, you can probably wait, okay? And so that's a great lesson right there, right? Just wait a little bit, okay? Second thing is he goes, he goes, Rod, if I couldn't figure out a way to say it was appropriate, he goes, I just need to not say it. 
because it's going to be detrimental to the conversation. And it's not professional and it's not inspirational. So he said he had to figure it out. So I always encourage people, think before you speak, do the three to one ratio. Three, if you're not an encourager, I wouldn't tell you to increase it to almost seven to one. You know, do seven encouraging things before you give your one critique. And then the third thought rule might help. There's three things that people should be able to latch on to. Pretty simple. Listening to you on the third thought rule, sometimes we feel that we have to say something right away. I mean, that's, that's where we're listening to answer, not listening to think. And that silence is okay between exchanges of people. We don't necessarily have to jump on something. We can learn to pause. And I love your thing about just wait it through is what you're going to say relevant and important to the conversation. Thank you. The third thought rule. Hey, that fable, which book was it? Was it the greatest motivational tool? Was that the book? Yes, that's my third one. Yep, the greatest motivational tool. And they can get that anywhere or audible.com. It's it's also an audio book. So whatever they want. Yeah, it's it's a quick read. Again, off the charts. I know we kind of went wherever we felt like going, which is great. And that's why I'm an encourager. You see, I just wanted to make sure you guys said what you needed to say. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, you know what? It's, you're I like, cheaper hey. than a counseling session. Carm, I appreciate hey, that. And you know what? Guys like you are great captains. That boat just keeps rowing in the same circle, but we're at least we're doing something. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's my sarcasm. It's terrible. It's terrible. Listen, we were five miles per hour yesterday. We're at seven. So we are making progress. Good golly, Miss Golly. Rod Olson, Dan Taylor. Thank you so much. Now, listen to our audience. I know you learned something. Uh, trust me, you probably learned 10 great things. Now use that and go out and do something with it. Thanks, guys, for being here. Hey, Carm, if they can message me at Twitter at Coach Rod Olson, I'd love to hear how they're implementing these things. Plus, there's a tip of free tip of the day there for them, too, at Coach Rod Olson on Twitter. Cool. Thanks, Rod. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Carm. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... 